Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanek with Figured Out Baseball. Got a really exciting Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today. We're being joined by Steve Springer. Um, he is the owner of QualityAtBats.com, and I, I believe his handle on Twitter is QualityAtBats. So I'm sure a lot of you know him and have seen his stuff. Even if you don't, uh, you're not sure who's uh, you know weren't sure who was behind it. I've been following the Quality at Bats account for a long, long time, and uh, really excited to get into this one today. I'll give you a background uh, on Steve before we jump into questions with him. Um, he was born in Long Beach, California. He is the owner, as I said, of QualityAtBats.com, which is a mental training website for baseball players and all young athletes, really. Um, going back to his playing days, he spent two seasons at Golden West Junior College in California. He then went to the University of Utah, where he was eventually a 20th round draft pick in 1982 by the New York Mets. Made his Major League debut with the Indians in 1990. He played in the MLB again in 1992 with the Mets, who originally drafted him. Overall, uh, Steve spent 14 seasons uh, in the minor leagues, uh, where he accumulated more than 1,500 hits, in addition to his couple stints in the big leagues. After retirement, uh, he stayed in professional baseball, started scouting first with the Diamondbacks, then he spent some time as an agent, then he came back uh, as a scout with the Blue Jays, and then started working as a performance coach throughout the Toronto Blue Jays minor league system. Uh, overall, Steve spent more than 35 years in professional baseball as a player, agent, scout, and performance coach. Um, he now travels around the country talking about the mental side of hitting. I don't think he needs much more of an introduction than that. If you're a baseball person, you're listening to this, you probably are familiar uh, with Steve Springer. So, Steve, I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. Hey, Jeff, it's good to be here. Now, if we could all just lower our expectations about 50%, we'll have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I just never introduce you all the time. <laughs> My expectations, I'm sure, will be met. Um, but, you've, you know, I've seen your stuff online, you know, what you have on the website, I've seen what you have on YouTube, like the two-minute clips you have on YouTube, and they're just they're great. I think that every every parent of a young baseball player needs to watch your stuff. I think every coach of, you know, little league through high school, even college guys, college coaches need to listen to what you have to say uh, just because of the way that you're, you're able to uh, relate the game um, to the, to the players and kind of see it from the player side and why it's so difficult and, and all that stuff. And uh, I know in your personal journey, you had some difficulties early on, you know, from what, uh, from what you went through in high school, just kind of your, your journey from high school to junior college to Utah and the draft, like at, at every level it was like there was, uh, there, was a, there was a lot of things working against you. Do you mind just kind of starting there and just telling us a little bit about your story about, uh, you know, what happened to you in high school, which I don't know if a lot of people know about, and then kind of your journey through college to the draft? Well, it's, you're right. Everybody's got a story, and, you know, I feel like i got a good story. i got a great story. I mean, I, when I was a freshman in high school, I was 4'11", 90 pounds, uh, I made the team because my brother was the star of the team. He was just a stud. Uh, they called him Gary the Great. <laughs> and uh, my freshman year, I got three at-bats. I coached first base the whole year. Uh, but I'm on the team. My sophomore year, all my buddies went up to JV and varsity, and I stayed on soft rush again. So I got to play some that year. And I'd rather play at a lower level than sit the bench at a higher level. My junior year, all my buddies are on varsity. Uh, I stayed on JV. Uh, but I got to play some more. My junior year or my senior year, it's my time to shine. I got nobody ahead of me, and I'm 5'8", 140 pounds now. So I grew nine inches in high school. I went from tiny to small, uh, but I'm going to show them I can play. Uh, and I had a sophomore take my job. I did not start my senior year in high school. I goes first base again. 
uh, that sort of sucks. So, you know, where I'm from, Huntington Beach, I got 50 colleges within 50 miles of me. I don't get one phone call. My brother went to Golden West Junior College. He's all state, best player in the state. I'm thinking, all right, the coach knows I'm coming there. He didn't have to call me uh, if he didn't. Uh, and I went out with the team during the summer, and I got cut, you know, which is baffling to me to this day on how bad this coach thought I sucked. I mean, my brother's the best player in the state, and I get cut. <laughs> so... I did what anybody would do in California. I got a job at Disneyland working on the canoes, and about three days later, my brother came home with a uniform for me. Just three guys quit. So I was 19 years old, freshman in college. I got three at-bats the whole year there, coaching first base again. I'm almost pro at it by now. And uh, I played in the big leagues. You know, any kids out there, when I go speak, you know, do not let anybody tell you that you're too small. Like, like what's L2B, 6'5"? You know, this guy's like five foot seven with a good pair of cleats on, and he could shrink two inches to be an all-star. It's not about being tall. It's about being a baseball player. It's about having body strength. It's about having instincts. You know, working on those canoes, bro, for two years, I got stronger. Those things aren't on a track, man. I'm pulling people around. I really credit that to a lot of my strength. Uh, fortunately, in saying that, I grew four inches when I was 20, and that doesn't happen to everybody. I, I don't think I need to grow four inches. I need to get stronger. Uh, you know, so now I'm six foot, 170 pounds. I went from a second string second baseman to an all-conference shortstop in one year, and I'm getting recruited by all these colleges: full ride Long Beach State, full ride UC Irvine, full ride UCLA. My dad's favorite school is UCLA. My best friend Rich Amaral is going to UCLA. Who, you know, spent nine years in the big leagues, didn't get there till he was 29 years old. Talk about grinding. I'm going to UCLA full ride, and it was the greatest five days of my life. Until he looked at my transcripts, I was a dumbass, but I hated school. Uh, you know, all you kids out there listen or parents, make sure your kids get good grades. Make sure that uh, you know you're, you let your uh, ability dictate where you're going to go, and not your grades. So I couldn't get in. I don't know how I got into University of Utah. I went there as a shortstop. I hurt my arm and ended up DH in the whole year. Had a really good year. Hit like 450. Uh, you know, we're playing, you know, pretty good league in, in the whack, and, and this is the best thing about baseball, Jeff, because whether you're in travel ball, high school, college, if you're lucky enough to play pro baseball, you're evaluated every single day uh, when you play uh, by somebody, and we had 50 scouts in the stands one day to see Rick Aguilera, Wally Joyner, and Corey Schneider, all 15-year big leaguers, young kids, think Mike Trout, uh, Bryce Harper, and Clayton Kershaw, because that's who these guys were, <laughs> and I went five for five with the bomb, two doubles and five RBIs. And I guarantee that's the day that got me drafted. That's the first day I played the outfield. My life, I sucked in the outfield. Ball be up in there, be like bouncing on me. I'm like, how do you catch that? Uh, I was an infielder, and, and so I get drafted by the New York Mets as an outfielder in 20th round. I hit like 246, 11 home runs my first season. I wasn't used to playing every single day. You know, if you play pro baseball, bro, you're getting five at bats a day every day, whether you want them or not. I was so tired at the end. My brother got picked up by the Tigers, and we came home and we lifted, and we got in that weight room, man. We got stronger. And I go to my first spring training, and we're, uh, I'm working out with the, the low A ball team, and I barely made the team as the fifth outfielder. So for the first month of the season, I got like 20 at bats. Guess what I was doing? I was coaching for the base again. <laughs> I, like, I, I am pro at this, guys. How do you handle not playing, guys? This is how you handle not playing. You take batting practice like it's your game. If you're an infielder, you take ground balls like it's your game. Like it's your game. If you're an outfielder, you take fly balls during batting practice like it's your game. And you pull for your buddies to win the game and be ready when the coach calls your name. 
is he will call your name. And I remember like yesterday, Matt, our second baseman got traded, and I told my coach, I said, Coach, I'm an infielder. <laughs> Can I play second? And he paused, and he looked at me and said, well, thank God, you suck in the outfield. I'm like, I'm an infielder. <laughs> and so I, he lets me play second base. Everything's going great. Eighth inning, ground ball, double play, right between my legs. So that sucked. I didn't play there about a week. A week goes by. Uh, he lets me play there again. Everything's going real good. Eighth inning, ground ball, double play, right between my legs again. Starting to figure out why he didn't play in the big league that often. But uh, I got four hits that day. And anybody knows, man, you want to play, you have to hit. And I played every day the rest of the year. I ended up leading the league in hits. I had 50 hits in August. I, I uh, second league in hitting behind Vince Coleman, who could fly. And I still didn't know what I was doing yet. So now I'm sort of a prospect to take me to the instructional league. I go home, uh, lift bigger, stronger, faster. And then uh, I go for my second spring training. I'm working out with high eight ball. And I see my farm director there. And he's like, spring, how's everything going? I'm like, great. Uh, but I don't need to be—I don't mean to be an idiot, but I just led a, uh, a league in hits and and able. I, I feel I should be in Double A. And this guy looked at me, paused, walked away, didn't say a word. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that was great. <laughs> uh, but it did. It made sense to him. The next day I was in Double A. And my Double A team, we had like 18 guys playing the big leagues. You know, Billy Bean was on that team. Uh, you know, I was in his wedding. You know, Moneyball, Oakland A's. And, uh, we win it all. I go to Triple A the next year you know three years ago I'm coaching first base and uh, in college and I'm one step away from the big leagues and I, I spent 11 years in AAA and at the time I'm like really got 11 years huh and now I know why because whether I'm talking to you whether I'm talking to major league all-star the dad of a 10 year old my message is the same and we'll talk about that now but that's sort of my story on how it got there and uh, got into pro baseball unbelievable how you know how you you overcame so many things at every level i mean so many people would have quit you know multiple times uh during all the stuff that you that you went through especially you know, like you said 50 colleges within 50 miles don't get one phone call you know a lot of guys would have just taken that to be the sign and just the fact that you kept going and and even had a can say that you were in the big leagues uh is just is incredible uh with that backstory it's also incredible to spend 11 years in triple Get fifteen hundred yeah, hits in the minor league. Do that anymore. I mean, that's well, amazing. the thing I loved about it, I played in fifteen hundred ninety-one minor league games, and I had fifteen hundred ninety-two hits. I was really glad to see that. <laughs> you know, and I can say I had over sixteen hundred hits because I played in the playoffs like ten, <laughs> ten years, and I know I squeaked out seven hits. <laughs> hits so, but it was, you know, why why didn't I quit? I mean, because one. I was a really, really good player when I was 9, 10, 11, 12. I was, I was an all-star 11, 12. I was in the majors when I was 9. And I didn't grow an inch from the time I was 12 to 15. So I always had the instincts and I had an older brother competing who hated to lose. So, you know, I, I didn't know any better. I was just competing, having fun, and, and then I got a new body. And, and then when I get that new body, and now I'm 6'170 pounds, and I had instincts. You know, it doesn't happen. Everybody wants to be put in a microwave. They want it right now, you know. And, and I, trust me, I was put in an oven. <laughs> I came out, you know, cooked. And it, it's a, such a great analogy because we all want it right now. And the parents want it right now. And the kid wants it right now. You know, I'll get, I'll get emails all the time or tweets. Uh, Dad will say, my kid's mental game is not very good. And I'm like, well, how old is he? And he's like, he's eight. And I'm like, bro, he's got no physical game. He's eight. <laughs> right? He doesn't have a million more physical game. He's 100 pounds away from his man body. But we think it's all about right now. 
you know, I mean, parent, if parents out there, you need to realize that your kid's playing the biggest self-esteem restoring sport in the world. And he doesn't, I don't need my coach, my teammate, or my parent to be yelling at me at, you know. Vanderbilt's not panicking when your 10-year-old has a bad weekend uh, at the Burger King Championship. And if we all just realize that, you know what, we got a big picture. And when I speak, you know, my number one vein in my, my speaking is your career starts today when you say, I don't care what I hit. Uh, the batting average is the biggest trap in baseball. I figured it out 20 years ago. I called it Satan in my first CD. I, go, I, I can't have a goal where I can do everything right and go over four. I hit three balls right on the screws, right at somebody in baseball says I suck, or softball. It's hitting, it's hitting. And, and now the wrong me starts playing. Because every single player listening has two players in you. I got a confident uh, A.J. Pollock who's an absolute star, and I got non-confident A.J. Pollock who sucks. And you know what? He doesn't play anymore. I've, I've been talking to A.J. his whole career. Uh, he turned Goldsmith on to me. I mean, I can name drop the best of them, bro. I mean, I, I don't start in high school. I get cut in college. And now I got, you know, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldsmith, uh, you know, AJ called me. Mark Trumbo called me his whole career. I mean, it's mind-blowing. And, and they know, man, that your goal is to be the best competitor on the field with an attainable goal to hit the ball hard and help your team win. And, and you get the right guy playing. It doesn't mean you get three hits. It means the right guy's playing. It, it, you play every day like it's opening day. Remember opening day every every year? Everybody's 100% confidence. It's impossible to play with no confidence on opening day because you got no yesterday beating you up. And that's exactly what happens. We let yesterday beat us up today, not only in baseball but in life. And now I go 0 for 4 yesterday, now I'm 0 for 2, and now in my mind I'm 0 for 6. I'm letting yesterday's bad game mindset play today. And I got a new game, new pitcher, new hero, and, and it's a trap. It's how I tell my guys, get great at lining up, good hitters line out more. When somebody asks you what you do for a living, you tell them you hit balls hard for a living. You get hit, it's a bonus. You change what you think success is, not to get three hits. You change what you think success is to get the right guy playing. It's not against the one, and we think we should get a hit every at-bat. It's even mind-blowing. If I'm a pitcher, I'm pissed off when you get a hit <laughs> with those odds. But we think we got to get a hit to have success, and that's the trap of the game. And I'm saying everybody's like, like when I used to be the performance coach of the Blue Jays and I'll ask 18-year-old kid, what's, what are his goals? And he's like, well, I want to hit, you know, 280, 300 with 20 bombs and 80 RBIs. And I'm like, well, that's great, buddy. How about when you start the season one for eight, one for 20? And now you're in catch-up mode for, on game number four. And now you're letting go, you know, it, it's just a trap. And my, my only goal that I ask my players to do is how many games in a row can you compete with confidence to help your team win, period. Is they're going to compete every single game because they have to. If you're not competing with 100% confidence, something's wrong mentally, and, it's, and I know what it is. It's staff. It's, it's yesterday. It's how I feel. And, you know, this is why Augie Garrido said it's the greatest quote he's ever heard a coach say. My best compliment I've ever had in my life coming from him. If you get your team to play, and I don't give a crap, not about me, it's not about you. It's about you helping your team. And, and you get your 25 guys playing like it's opening day every day. He said, that's brilliant. It'd be because we all know the feeling. Now, if two guys are doing it, it ain't that good. But if everybody has that mindset and you're there to win the game, you're you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna win some games if you have ability. So many good things there, Spring. It's uh, so many good things to unpack in in talking about competing with confidence, goals that people have. Um, you know, statistics are are in your face all the time especially at higher levels in, in college. A lot of times now, especially at higher level colleges, you've got 
uh, you got a you got a video board or or some kind of a board there showing you what your stats are, or and they're just so easy to access online. I know that as a kid, I kept my stats and I wanted to know what they were. And you know, it's one thing in in little league, pony league, but um, you get to some higher levels, and, and you're right, you start to struggle a little bit. I know that um, some of the college stops that I had, I was sort of the in-house mental performance coach. Uh, I, I read a lot about it. I bought into it, and I wanted to be able to help guys who were having struggles in that way. And one of the things that I've just I've seen personally, you know, I had have had this myself, and I know that uh, I've, I've coached other players who have felt this way. But eventually, you know, the stats are telling you something, and you start to believe those stats, and guys start to question their ability. Like, you know, did I did I get worse? That you know, what happened to my ability? What changed? And they start to wonder if they got slower or they're there's something's wrong with them where they can't do it. And I think that obviously I haven't, haven't had this conversation with major leaguers, but you can see it in major leaguers sometimes. Like a couple years ago, that guy hit, you know, 300 with some power, and now he's hitting 215 and just looks like a completely different player. Like it's like he doesn't believe who he, who he is. When you have these conversations with big leaguers or people at any level that are having that struggle, how do you convince them to ignore the stats and to just to believe in their abilities again when there is some doubt in their mind because doubt as a hitter you know as well as anybody if you doubt and you don't believe that you're going to play well or don't believe that you can get a hit you're not going to get a hit you're not going to have any success how do you uh, flip that guy's mindset to really to have confidence in himself again and believe that he's the player that he was you know a couple years ago that, that put up the numbers and things like that and had success well you have to get him back to now you got to get him back to today New game, new pitcher, new hero today. No part of your last two weeks or your last month to play today. And it's easier said than done because we all want to get hits. right? I mean, I'm trying to help these guys hit their highest batting average by getting the right guy playing. There's not a confident batting average set and a non-confident batting average set. That's one side has no brain. Doesn't know who's showing up. right? And, and this is the whole thing. When I was at the Blue Jays, we had a quality at bat champion. We had three winners per week per team. Got a $25, $25 gift card to Best Buy. He had the most quality at bats. I was trying to get these guys to play every day like it's opening day. And every Monday, at least, uh, we had a new start. So that gave these guys a fresh start. Because usually, when a guy hits 220, he's like, oh, I can't wait till next year. Next year? He's still got 40 games to go here. But that's where the stats beat him up. And, you know, we had one guy go one for 20, and he won a card. How's that happened? He got one hit, he got a couple bunts down, he got a couple runners over, runner on second, nobody out. And he had seven balls right on the screws right at somebody. And that guy was Kevin Pillar. Right? Now he's with the Giants, but this this guy uh, is, is a better competitor than he is a player. And he, he this guy we had a 54-game hitting streak as a junior in college. He didn't get drafted. It's just baffling to me. And there should have been 54 scouts fired. You don't luck into 54, bro. You could hit. But you luck into three. Well, we took him as a, a 32nd uh, rounder as a senior, gave him 1000 bucks. And he was the second guy in his draft to get to the big leagues. And he's had my stuff since he was in high school. He had me come speak to his college. You know, so it, it, when you buy in, I mean, what's the alternative? Doing what everybody does. What's my batting average? What's my stats? And it's a trap. I do everything right. Go for four and baseball says I suck, bro. That's a trap. Right, we had an annual award with the Blue Jays. We the most quality at bats. Got a big check and a max bat trophy in spring training. And, and our double-A guy, more quality at bats than anybody in 500 plate appearances, and he had 255. But he had 20 bombs and 80 RBIs. And his favorite line in what I teach is good hitters line out more. Get great at lining out. Get great at hitting balls hard. When somebody asks you what you do for a living, you tell me you hit balls hard for a living. 
and you get the right guy playing every single day. It's like we said, we don't go big picture enough. We think it's all about right now. You get that 18-year-old kid that signed for a million bucks, and he pop his first one for 20 and walk back to the dugout like somebody stole his dog. And, and I'll tell my coaches, I'll say, man, we better hope that's immaturity and not makeup. And, you know, and then I'll talk to the kid. If I told you you could be a 25-year-old big leaguer and spend 10 years deal or no deal, an 18-year-old's thinking, I want to be 21. So they pause. I said, it's not, not the question. 25 guaranteed. I said, yes. It's 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. That's seven years you ain't playing in the big leagues. That's seven years to learn how to get great at being a better competitor than you are a player. It's learning. It's, a, it's seven years to get great on how do I compete with confidence when I'm not getting hits. And you can just see the relief. You know, oh. And now we got 25, 26, all the way to 34, they do 10 years. And when, when Tony LaCava hired me at the Blue Jays, he loved my stuff. His son loved it. He said, Spring, if you help one guy, you're worth your money. I said, Tony, if I don't help 100, fire me. Because I'm not, I'm not going to be talking, get your hands here, your feet here, bro. <laughs> I'm going to start talking about And he's like, oh, I like it, man. He said, you go to AAA if you want to. Go to AA once. Get your butt down there with the 17, 18-year-old kids and teach them how to compete with confidence when they're not getting hits. Is the the focus of quality of bats, uh, did that, when did that become something that you just started focusing on? Was it was it when you became a mental coach? Was it when you were going through the minor leagues and kind of having, dealing with yeah. your own struggles? Like, when did that become a thing that you started focusing on? Well, Clint Hurdle. Clint Hurdle put, used to put a cue on the lineup card if you know you had a quality at bat. And I'm on this team, and I could have went 0 for 4 with three cues. I know I'm playing the next day. And I and I liked it. And, and I basically stole everything I got from Clint Hurdle. <laughs> He's my buddy, you know. And all of a sudden, it just turned into a brand and uh, you know, and, and now you know, man, I'm gonna have a quality at bat percentage, you know, and that's not right, you know. It's better, but but it's like, it, what if your quality at bat percentage is low, and now you're gonna beat yourself up over that? And this is why I've came to the conclusion: how many days in a row can you compete with confidence? This is the only goal that you need to have, and it doesn't mean you get three hits or win every game. It means the right guys playing every single day, and play for today, and play like it's opening day. When you're 0 for 4 with four strikeouts, I need you looking at that lineup. I need two guys to get on so I can be the hero. Instead of, oh, crap, if two guys get on, I get hit again. You make it about your stats. And, and now you went from 280 to, uh, to 279. And then, you know, and then the next day you're at 269. And, dude, I did it. I know exactly the feeling. I always felt I had to hit 300 to play in the big leagues. And now all of a sudden you don't even want the at-bat. And that's when the heroes are made because you're worried about you and your stats. You know, I'll ask players all the time, man, you ever been so bad, you said, I don't even care anymore? And then they start hitting, and then they start hitting, and they start caring again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're laughing because you did it. I mean, oh, yeah. We all did it. We all did it. And this is the whole thing, man. If this game wasn't mental, then every first-round pick should spend 10 years in the big leagues, every top five-round shit. And Kevin Pilar should have never made it. You know, but it's not about that. I used to think that baseball was about the mind – the approach and mechanics, all three important in that order. I've changed it, man. This is about the approach, the mind, and mechanics. I don't care how confident you are. I don't care how good your mechanics are. If your approach sucks, you're going to lose your confidence, and your mechanics are going to break down. You know, the the second thing I talk about when I speak, after getting rid of the bad average, is hunting speeds, and and not trying to hit the fastball curveball slide up change up oh oh. You're looking for everything. You're not ready for anything. Is it easier to hit one pitch when you know it's coming or three and you don't? Uh, if I told you here comes a fastball 100% and 
and you can't put a good swing on it and go play soccer, bro. You gotta be, you gotta be able to do that. But I'm telling you right now, buddy, if I'm sitting on a fastball and I get it, have you told me what's coming? <laughs> like all teams are trying to do, you know, with the obvious being the Astros. Come on, bro. You tell me what's coming. I'm, I get hit. I'll take my chances right now in the big leagues. I'm 60. Uh, give me some LASIK surgery. Now it's about competing. How come we could hit the breaking ball machine in the cage and it turns invisible during the game? Because we know it's coming in the cage. Well, this is why you watch the pitcher. You watch the game. You don't have five at-bats a day anymore. you got 27 minimum. Uh, that guy, you tell me, you smoke a fastball uh, for a double or a bomb, your first at-bat, you come out with runners on second and third. You think two out of three, three out of four are going to be a fastball or off-speed? Probably off-speed. So why am I sitting fastball? You're looking for something you're not going to get. And, and this is my whole thing, bro. When I started, it was like, oh, Spring, you're a guest hitter. Yes, I am, bro. <laughs> but it's educated guess. It's not flip a coin. Oh, heads, I'm going to sit breaking ball, tails, fastball. No, I got a feeling. It, it, Mark Trumbo said it's his favorite analogy ever. It's my blackjack analogy. He, he I said that too many hitters get like they got 16 on them. Oh, oh. Like they're going to bust. <laughs> I, I, I said, bro, we're splitting freaking aces. I don't have to swing. He's like, that's brilliant. <laughs> do you think but, that? Go ahead. No, go ahead, bud. Uh, do you think that most hitters in the big leagues are that way? That's something I've often wondered and just don't have access to the big leaguers that you do. Are most guys in the big leagues, whether whatever you want to call it, guessing or sitting on a pitch, are most guys that way where they're they're they know that they can't hit everything, so they're so in most counts, particularly less than two strikes, they're looking for one thing. If they get it, they let it rip. If they don't, they're just they're 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 spitting on it. Well, they should, but no, I can't say that everybody does. I think I think some of them are still in the, I'm going to sit fastball and adjust. Well, for me, that's my two-strike approach, bro. But, uh, you know, is it easier to hit two speeds with a lefty on the mound and you're right-handed? Yes. I can think fastball away, and now I recognize the breaking ball coming in. I haven't shifted through my middle end swing, and I can still put a good swing on it. But if I'm looking middle end off that lefty, and he throws me a changeup, it's a death move uh, if I swing out, you know, because you, you shift through your middle and swing. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I you know, somebody, you'll hear, hey, we got the signs. So I don't want them. Really? You're an idiot. How <laughs> do you not want to know what's coming? I've had, I've had that. I, as a first base coach, I got pretty good at, so you and I are both professional first base coaches. Uh, I coached first base, I think, at every every college stop that I had, and, and there were days when I could pick the sign or I could pick what the pitcher was throwing based on something. Sometimes it was a catcher sign, but a lot of times the pitcher would give it away with something, and I'd be able to let the hitters know. And, and I, I had hitters that tell me they didn't want to know, and I'm like, look, I haven't missed a pitch in, in you know three innings out there. Well, I don't want to. I just I don't want to know. I'd rather just I'd rather go up there not knowing. And I'm like, you're just like you said, Jerry. You're an idiot. <laughs> you gotta want to know what's coming, even if I'm only ninety percent right. You gotta want to know what's coming. I mean, why do, why do they have analytics down? That, that's the one analytic I would want is what's the schedule <laughs> on certain counts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If I'm sitting on a breaking ball, I'm gonna zone up. I'm gonna load late. I'm gonna look for it up and in, thinking right center. If it doesn't start up and it's not gonna be a strike. If it starts down in the middle, it's gonna it's gonna be a ball. But I, you know, I I remember Clint Hurdle, man. He was so sick and he's swinging at that slider in the dirt. And he brought me out on the field and, and put the machine on and just fired me, you know, 100 uh, breaking balls. And I was so bad early. And then once you get a feel that you have time, and, and I'm not timing 97, I'm timing 75. That's why I call it load late. 
guy's at his, at his release point. Now I'm going back to my load to take a fastball swing on off-speed speed. And I became a better hitter when I started looking for. See, my production doubled when I started. When I said, I don't care what I hit, and I started sitting on speeds. And I, I went from from you know four to eight home runs a year, 50, 60 RBI, 40, 50 RBIs, and now all of a sudden I'm hitting 16, 17 home runs with 70, 80 RBIs a year, and I still had the same batting average between 260 and 290. But if I had damage, I wanted every at bat. I wanted to be the hero in the night. I, I had no problem being over for the four strikeouts if we were still in the game, because my whole goal was to win the game and be the hero. And I hated uh, being over for the four strikeouts in a blowout. Now I got to punch out against the backup right fielder. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that would kill you. But it's just such a mental game, man. It's such. I feel so blessed to figure out, you know, that I can still live, and I'm actually doing a. I don't know when this is going to come out, but I, I'm doing a big podcast on uh, next Wednesday night, uh, 22nd at 5.30. You'll see it on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to do an hour speaking engagement in the cage, a live presentation, and everybody's going to get everything I made, all my audios, DVD, my book, and it's 40 bucks. And it's a half a price, uh, price of a half a hit lesson. So if this gets out by the end row, and you guys are listening, man, come on in. Where where can people find that? Where are you gonna where where can they go to get uh, that link or find it? Just go on. Uh, it's gonna be posted all over Twitter. Okay. And, and then you just click on the link and you sign up. You know, it, it's regular like 130 bucks if you bought everything. And and uh, you know, I spent 14 years in higher leagues, bro. It didn't set me up for life. And you know, we're, we're you know everybody's got tough times right now, and I, I feel for everybody. And. Uh, uh, I'm one of them, so, <laughs> you know, you're going to get everything I made. It's money-back guarantee, and we're going to have a great night. So hopefully pass that on tell your friends. Very good. So right now, the way that uh, just baseball is coached now, and especially what you see on social media and in, in most hitting facilities, you know, hitting facilities are everywhere. Travel baseball is everywhere. Travel baseball is no longer elite. It's just it's anybody that wants to play. You can find a, a daddy team somewhere that you can play on. And, uh, and there's a lot. Most of what you hear on social media is mechanics, mechanics, mechanics. This is the perfect swing. This is the way all the greats did it. Uh, you know, your opinion seems to be different. If you're coaching a young kid right now, um, or you have a facility. If there's a guy listening to this that has a facility, has travel teams, uh, you know, I, I can guarantee that most of the time is being spent on physical adjustments and, and, and again, creating the perfect swing. For you when you're working with or talking with a young kid, how much time are you spending on the mental part of it, whether it's the approach or just understanding what you've been saying this whole time about you know, competing with confidence uh, and, and being focused more on quality at bat than your batting average. How much time are you spending on, on, on each of those if you're working with a young kid right now, Steve? Well, I, I, I think travel ball is a great thing when it's done right. And it, any travel organization out there, if, if you're in it to win trophies and win the Burger King Championship, then I'm not on that. Uh, we need to develop kids when they're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 13 so when they get into high school and college they know how to play the game and you know we always think it's about you know going in a cage and, and taking swings and every night and it's just like and then and then we get out in the game and they can't play defense they don't know how to base run 
They don't have instincts. But, hey, take him in the cage, bro, and do some flips. He looks like a player. And my whole thing is developing baseball players, defense, offense, base running, mental game. Uh, so, you know, our, our job as coaches in the youth is not to create big leagues. It's to use the game to create men uh, using baseball, teach them how to fail, teach them how to win, teach them how to compete, uh, teach them how to lose. Uh, you know, and then if they're lucky enough to play in the big leagues, bro, you probably had a very, very small per- percent of helping that kid. Uh, I'm not saying none, but I mean, you know, the, percent, the chance that guys playing in the big leagues are so small. But when I go speak, man, you can't tell me if you're in travel ball that you can't get a college education out of this game. There's too many colleges across the country that, that are looking for kids that get good grades and that know how to play the game. And, you know, when you, when you, when you think it like that, and, you know, I, I've spoken to, I mean, that's one of my top speaking engagements when I speak to travel ball. One, they have the numbers, and two, they're in, they like it, everybody gets everything I've made, and we have a great night. You know, I've been doing it for 10 years where, you know, I'll fly in there, man. If anybody wants me to fly in there, man, let me know, uh, because it, it's right. And, you know, then it, on, on those things, I charge 75 bucks a kid. And they get everything I make. And, you know, I usually need like an 80-kid minimum. Gets me six grand, a lot of money. Uh, when one person flips the bill, when everybody brings 75 bucks, bro, it's pocket change. It's like a hitting lesson. And I give I give anything over 80, they keep the money. So I, I try to make it a win-win-win-win for everybody. And if a parent says that was just okay, I'll give them their money back. Now, <laughs> if, they don't, if they think it was just okay, they weren't paying attention enough. I mean, Steve, I'm... Well, it happened one time, man. I had a grandma brought her eight-year-old daughter, and she thought she was going to be able to hit with me. And so she was mad. So I gave her money back. <laughs> it's, if you can convince the travel ball, uh, whatever you want to call it, the, the world of travel baseball is that winning trophies and rings when you're eight years old is not the thing. It's, uh, it's like... It's so difficult to watch, on, especially on uh, Instagram. There's more young kids on Instagram, a lot of like 8, 10, 12-year-olds. And, like, and every weekend they're posting that they, you know, they want a trophy, they want a ring. And did they win it or did they give, the, you know, give some hardware to the top five teams out of the 10-team tournament? I don't know. But I know that that's what the majority of the focus is. And I, and I know that as uh, just being involved in the game and at, and at younger levels, um, scouting. And, and I coached high school for a little bit after I got out of college ball. And I, and I know, unfortunately, that's where the focus is. And, and my gosh, Steve, if you could just <clears throat> uh, figure out how to get youth baseball to focus more on developing the game. You know, as, college, as a former college scout, you go out and watch these travel tournaments, and it's amazing just how many guys do not have instincts because they haven't played enough games, and, and when they're playing, they're not getting coached. Like the coaching is happening in the batting cage. We're trying to fix your swing and make your swing perfect, but there's not there, there's no focus on base running. There's no focus on defense. You know, I started to feel like at the end of my scouting time that, like, when you – when you timed the 60-yard dash, you'd have your your you know your uh, seven flat and sub seven guys. But after that, it was like there was there were hardly any like seven two runners. It was like seven five runners and above. And it was like if you're not fast, guys don't they pay no attention to it. They don't run. They don't try to get faster. And it was amazing to me just like these guys that are terrible runners and they're fine with it. They think they can get in the box and just try to hit the ball far, and that's going to be okay with everybody. Um, as a as a former scout, and I'm sure you're still in touch with guys that scout now. How much are instincts still a part of actually getting your name called on draft day? Oh, bro, instincts are everything, man. I mean, this is—I mean, you think Dustin Pedroia is an overachiever? 
No, he's a pig leader. He's good, but because he's five foot seven, oh, he overachieved. Uh, no, bro, he didn't overachieve. He's a good player. Uh, you know, and as far as winning and at all costs and travel ball, bro, I want to win too. But if you're doing it the right way and you're developing, your kids are having fun and you're losing with class, you know, then I, I'm good. I'm not into everybody gets a trophy. I, I, I'm into learning how to play the game right, learning how to win and competing with confidence and, and training parents. I, I said out a two-minute video on why kids quit at 13 years old. Uh, because of the pressure that's put on by the one who loves the most, us parents, and Johnny Testosterone Coach yelling at my 10-year-old. And in three days, it got viewed 3.4 million times. Like, that's how powerful this thing is with the parents. And usually after I speak, I'll get a parent come up in tears, and she's like, that was awesome, and now I need to go apologize to my kid. Because <laughs> <laughs> I hit the parents hard hit the kids because I don't want these kids quitting at 13 years old with their little kid body, and they don't get a chance to play with their man body, and now they quit, and then they want to play four years later, and they just lost four years of instincts. They're not playing in the big leagues. Parents, uh, so many times, in, in, no, I'm sure there's a lot of them that, that don't, but you notice the parent at the game that is up their kid's butt, and that's kind of living through their kid, and, and um, just taking it way too seriously at very young ages. I have a friend who's got a six-year-old, Steve, who played in it. He played up, but he was playing at six years old, and there are parents in the stands, like, yelling at kids on the other team. Uh, like, it's, it's insane. And I, I haven't – my kids aren't old enough to be, to, to be playing organized baseball yet or softball. But when that happens, I, like, I, I dread those types of interactions with parents. If you're speaking with a parent right now and when you go to engagements and you're talking, you're, you're kind of addressing the parents, what should a parent's role be for the for the young kid, whether it's eight years old or fifteen years old or, or anywhere in between, uh, what what do you feel like is the best role for the parent to play in all this? Well, parents, you, you have to check yourself, man. If you start getting all, you know, anxious and and you know you're putting that pressure on your kid, especially the younger they are. And it's like I said, you don't want your kid not to play in the big leagues because you were a whack job. And, and, and keep it fun, man. Keep it fun. Have them play multiple sports. Have them play basketball. I love basketball. I, I, I rag soccer. Have them play soccer, right? So they're getting athleticism. They're, they're using muscles. They're learning how to compete. They're learning how to, like in basketball, to go in there and fight for the ball. And, and it's just, you know, it's not playing 200 games a year uh, and bragging about it. I mean, you know, take some time off. Uh, but have fun, man. And, and you know, I, I, do, I have a parent CD, <laughs> you know, and I open it up. I'm like, what's going on, whack jobs? I mean, parents, excuse me. Joe, <laughs> 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 come on. You got to laugh. You know, if you can't laugh at this game, man, you're in trouble. I remember one time I struck out like six times in one day in AAA, three in a doubleheader. He puts me back in there. I got three more. I'm on deck. You know the guy's going to get a hit with two outs in the last inning. He did. I come up. I'm 0-2 quicker than crap for my seventh punch out, and I get a base hit into left. And I, I come in the dugout, and I say, nobody strikes me out seven times in a row, bro. It <laughs> ain't that bad seven. <laughs> so you got to be able to laugh at it and have fun and, you know, compete with confidence. And, and, and yeah, so it's a great game, man. Early on in this podcast, um, you called baseball the biggest self-esteem-killing sport in the world. Can you just address that a little bit and why parents and coaches both need to understand that 
when it comes to their interactions with the kids they're coaching or their own kids because you know parents can be so hard on the kids especially at young ages and, and the parents that want to see their kids succeed and, and they're you know they're doing it for the right reasons I'm sure because they, they love their kids and they want to see their kids succeed but you know what that uh, that statement that you made the first time I heard it like just makes you step back and think about it for a minute and, and, and really you've you've experienced it as a player if you've played you've experienced this how much it can kill your self-esteem but why is that something that you focus on and something that you think is really important for parents and coaches to hear well, I, I believe that too many kids are playing with tension, anxiety, and pressure right now without the parent yelling at them. And it's one of my lines when I go speak. I don't, my whole goal for my speaking engagements is not have one kid ever again play with tension, anxiety, and pressure. I, I want calmness, toughness, focus, habits, and fun. That's, that's a word. And, and, I, and, I, and I tell them, I say, you want to play with tension, anxiety, and pressure, bro? Go join the military. That's where that's at. God bless. We're playing baseball, softball. Nobody's in trouble. See, sometimes you don't get hits, bro. It seems like you're in a three-hour timeout. <laughs> like, hmm. like you're, you go stand in the corner. You didn't get a hit. It's the worst feeling in the world. And now I'm playing a game where I can do everything right and go over for, and then I can do nothing right and go over for, and I'm supposed to compete with confidence. Oh yeah, and I'm getting yelled at by my coach and my parent. And this is why kids quit, man. So, you know what? Build them up. You build them up. You break them down. You build them up again. Coaches out there. Players need to know that you care before they care what you know, the old line. And it's so right. I'd run through the wall for a guy that I knew that loved me as a person. Uh, and, you know, that guy that wouldn't even look at you, uh, you know, if you didn't get three hits, nah, not on him. So, so if you're coaching right now, if you're, if there are, we have a lot of high school coaches, a lot of like, you know, little league, pony league level coaches that subscribe to this website that, that hopefully are going to listen to this. If you're one of those coaches, uh, what's kind of your philosophy or how you're approaching day to day? Because I think that it could be construed as um, the, that you're not focused on on winning or you're not, uh, you know, that you're kind of excusing a kid to not have success. But I, I know that's not what that's not the intention. So if you're if you're talking to a coach, just you know, give me some real things that a coach can do at practice to still emphasize, you know, doing things right, playing things the right way, but keep the focus on things that are a little more controllable, like a quality of bat or like competing as opposed to, you know, winning every game, winning every tournament. You know, what, what do you just suggest that coaches focus on in practice, after practice, talking to the team, talking to individuals to make sure that the focus is on the right things and not the wrong things? Well, you got to give them permission not to be perfect, right? Perfect's a bad word, man. If a kid thinks he's got to be perfect, bro, he's not going to be, and then he fails, and now the wrong guy starts playing. Uh, you keep it fun. You keep keep kids moving. You don't have one guy do a drill and 12 guys watching. You get a couple stations. You do, you know, you, but you teach. You teach, and you uh, trust me, bro. I want to win every game I play, everything that I play. Uh, but you know, if we're into win at all costs and, and without developing and letting the guy, you know, we, you know, at that little punk age, 11, 12, bro, you got to stay on. You gotta, you gotta have some rules. You gotta, you know, when my kids got in trouble, Rich Amaral's kids got in trouble, man, they're doing push-ups, right? And, and that's the best thing for them because that's creating body strength. You see Rich Amaral's three kids do their studs, <laughs> doing push-ups since they were five. <laughs> you know, so it's, it, it's just such a, you know, I don't have all the answers, man. Yeah, you know, it's one of my lines, man. I didn't come out of the womb with what I know, bro. You say something smart, I'm gonna give you credit once, and then it's mine. 
you know. So we just got to keep talking baseball. We got to keep learning. We got to keep listening to podcasts. And I'm, I'm hoping that I've changed some thoughts out there when they listen to this. I'm hoping next Wednesday night when you know these guys come in and, and listen to me for an hour and then they get everything that I made, including my book, then you know it's going to help you. You know, I get chilling emails from parents thanking me that I changed their life, and, and which is helping their kid. So uh, that's where we're at, buddy. But I appreciate you. Yeah, man, appreciate uh, everything that you've given to us today. And, and this is there are so many good nuggets here. Like I could probably listen to this podcast three, four, five times and pick up things that I missed the first time. And even though you and I have spoken before, they're just different ways you hear things. Uh, it's you know, I'm not coaching anybody right now, but I know that if I were to coach a team after talking with you, there are some things I would do differently. And, and you know, I've coached at a fairly high level before, and uh, and I hope that people that listen to this get the same thing out of it. Uh, this is Steve Springer, everybody. He is the owner of qualityofbats.com. Uh, check his stuff out there. He's got a lot of stuff on YouTube that you can check out, and we're going to have a special offer for you after you've, since you've listened to this podcast on Figured Out Baseball where you can get uh, some of Steve's stuff online for a good discount just for just for being here and listening to this today but uh but steve i sincerely appreciate your time and, and everything you've given and uh you know we're the website's better off <laughs> for having you here so thanks again well i appreciate it, bro and you you just said it man you listen to it and you listen to it we see we give ourselves too much credit to remember what we're taught and it, this is why i had a guy i had a guy named tom mccraw that changed my life and every time he was in town i was a stud that i carried for three days because he came in for three days as a roving guy and as dumb as I was, I was smart enough to realize when that guy was around, I was good. And I went up to his room with a tape recorder and talked for 20 minutes about me, and it changed my life. And, and that gave me the idea to do my stuff when I was an agent. I, I want my kids to get a mental game, so I was in the car just talking. And car door was open, and fast forward down the bed with something else. Mm. And I gave it to my brother, and he, and he goes, dude, that's good stuff, man. You clean that up. And, so I went to a recording studio, and I didn't know what I had. I gave one to George Horton at Cal State Fullerton. Didn't even know he was going to listen to it. And he had his whole team listen to it five hours before they played the number one team in the country, Miami in Miami, and they swept them. He said, spring and change the way we thought. So that's, you know, when I felt I had something, and, you know, for 40 bucks, this is a half of a, uh, of a hitting lesson. The coupon code's MLB40. For me, it's a no-brainer. And I don't mean it boastfully. I mean it humbly, but... Uh, trying to help people. And that's the most impressive thing about it is I, I know that you're doing it for the right reasons, and that's why I think you're a great fit to be on the Figured Out Baseball uh, podcast. Is you know We like to have people that are on here for the right reasons and doing the right things, um, just trying to help people and make the game better. And it's such a good perspective. And, and I know I know from personal experience that there are, there are so many people out there that, that need this. There's so many people that need it that don't know that they need it. So hopefully people will share this podcast and will listen to your other stuff out there and, and check out your podcast next week um, and all the stuff that you're going to be talking about and giving away. And uh, hopefully we can have you back here again. Any involvement you want to have with Figured Out, we'd love to have you here. But, uh, Steve, your your time is very valuable. I know that. And I just I really appreciate you spending time with us today. All right, Jeff. Thank you, buddy. God bless, man. Thank you. Bye-bye.